Starcourt Study Hall contains spoilers for all seasons of Stranger Things. Episodes may also contain graphic content and language not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts unless otherwise stated, and all content and characters are property of Netflix and the Duffer Brothers. I'm Marina. And I'm Amanda. And this is Starcourt Study Hall. So today I'm going to start this episode because Amanda told me to. So we are back with yet another one of these things that we do on a semi-weekly basis <laughs> at this point. <laughs> I realized about three or four days ago that we have been talking about Stranger Things for mm-hmm. over a year yeah, it's kind of wild that we've been able to continue doing this for so long. <laughs> We're just still talking about it. Like, can we yeah. shut up already? <laughs> no. no. No, we, we cannot. cannot. <laughs> um, so, yeah, before we really get going, I just wanted to remind you all that in two days, right? It'll be two days when this episode mm-hmm. comes out. We are doing our Battle of Starcourt watch party on Discord. If you haven't already joined the Discord, you should probably do that if you want to participate in the watch party. But yeah, it'll be Friday, September 1st at 7 p.m. Eastern. And we're going to do a little bit more of an in-depth detail review thing at the end of this episode. But I wanted you all to just remember that that's coming up in two days. So exciting. The week is long. This time it's not. No, it's only two days. (laughs) Short week. Wow. (laughs) anyway anyway all right so i'm taking over on this episode to talk about our stranger things season three visual effects Mm. so obviously this is not a visual medium (laughs) so some of the stuff (laughs) might not translate that well but i pulled a lot of quotes for this episode because we don't know a lot about animation Mm. here and many of you listeners out there may not either So lots of quotes from the experts to help break this down. And I've included lots of photos in here for Marina and photos that we can definitely post over on the Instagram. So as we know, season three of Stranger Things was definitely a big game changer in terms of production, VFX, all of that. So we thought it made sense to break down some of what we see. And I definitely plan to do one of these for season four as well. Ooh, fun. Yeah, I I really would like to do that because season four ramps it up even more. What are Vecna's fingers made of? Can't wait to find out. Finger (laughs) materials. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) So for whatever reason, Netflix doesn't release budgets for shows. If, If you've noticed, they also don't release like watch data like they don't release ratings and yeah things like that it's very odd i don't know why they do that they even got rid of like the thumbs upping and thumbs remember you used to be able to yes great yeah like now you can't it's very odd i don't know why they're like this but i think because people were down i hate to use the word down voting because that's a reddit term but people were like (laughs) bad voting things into oblivion because they were mad at certain things and then it was skewing people's algorithms or something (sighs) why are people like this it's just the people so anyway, it's estimated that the budget per episode for season three was around $10 million. It's a lot of money. So is that $8 million? 
for the season, roughly? 80. What? 80 million. Math. 80 million. <laughs> you said 10 million per episode? Yeah. Yeah. 10 80 million dollars? Yes. And I, I believe season four is was even more, which would make sense. So um, for reference, it's estimated that season two's budget was around 8 million. And what about season one? I think it said season one was around 6 million. Per episode? Yeah, it's still a lot of money. What were those millions? I don't know. I mean, paying the actors is probably. I guess a huge Winona Ryder would require some money. <laughs> yeah, I think she's probably pretty expensive. <laughs> okay. So, Paul Graff, who is the series' senior visual effects supervisor, said about the show's VFX budget, and this is a quote. Making an effort to remain frugal is often just being smart with your upfront planning, such as working out details with storyboards. Then there's the matter of conveying the presence of something not actually there to those out on stage. If you have the money to do very tech-heavy lifting, you can project a pre-rendered creature into the camera so the director and operators can see it. We didn't have the time to generate in advance like that. Last season, we made a 3D-printed stand-in prop for our Prollywog creature. Aww. Which I know, so cute. Which was used as both a lighting reference and an aid for the child actors. But this season, we've got the we've got something the size of a T Rex invading a shopping mall. <laughs> so there was no way that three D printing approach was going to work for us this time out. I like how this is how we're starting. Yes, we're starting out <laughs> strong, talking about just like I, I included that quote in the introduction because I thought it encompassed the general attitude about mm. visual effects in this show. I feel like. Mm-hmm. Like, they they would much rather spend the money in making it look good and making sure that the actors have something to act against, but it doesn't need to be fancy. I wish that we could see the, like, I want the dart. Like, can I get the 3D printed dart from season <laughs> two? So cute. <laughs> so the main team responsible for the visual effects in season three was a company called Rodeo FX. That's FX letters. Mm-hmm. So some other projects that this team has worked on include <clears throat> The Witcher, Mission Impossible, Little Mermaid, Guardians of the Galaxy, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Loki, Justice League, WandaVision. You get it. Like the They're- new Little Mermaid? Yes. Okay. They're pretty good. Rodeo Effects also worked on season four. We will discuss that when we get there. But they were not the only company working on this show, but I do have the most information from them. So I'm going to talk most about them. But there were some other companies called Crafty Apes, uh-huh. Rise, Scanline VFX, and Spin VFX. I don't think of companies when I think mm-hmm. of visual effects. I know it's weird, but it makes sense when it you does. think about it, right? Yeah, I never, I never thought about that either. Here is a quote from a member of the Rodeo FX team on their website. Which, by the way, if you go to the websites of these visual effects companies, they have like portfolios you can look at. And it's really interesting. Like you can see a lot of the behind the scenes of lots of different projects. So this was a quote from a member of the Rodeo FX team on their website. Our VFX supervisor had the chance to go on set in Atlanta and meet with the team and the Duffer brothers who shared their vision for the season's big bad mind flayer. <clears throat> Just saying. This MF. Big bad. <laughs> yup. Yep. Subliminal messages from Rodeo FX. Thank you, Rodeo FX. (laughs) Who shared their vision for the season's big bad mind flayer, inspired by the title creature from The Thing. It then took our team of almost 200 artists over 13 months to deliver almost 400 shots, hundreds of CGI assets, and all of the CGI creatures of the new season. 
all of the creatures. When when they say all of the creatures, and we'll we'll get to it, it seems like the animators really think of like the skin spider as several different oh. iterations because it since it grows throughout the season. It's so yeah, kind of like how Dark grows in season yeah. two. He's all different stages mm-hmm. of himself. Yeah, it seems like that's sort of how they think of the skin spider too. <laughs> So Rodeo Rodeo Effects actually won two Visual Effects Society Awards in 2020 for this season. So they won Outstanding Animated Character in an Episode or Real-Time Project and Outstanding Effects Simulations in an Episode, Commercial, or Real-Time Project. So the Outstanding Character was for the Hospital Monster and the second award was actually for the visual of Tom and Bruce melting specifically. I like yeah. the idea that this is that the hospital monster is just a character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. Calling him a character is really funny. He had so much development this season. I know. Wow. He really came into himself. He really did. Literally. And then lastly for our introduction, I just wanted to talk about the overarching theme of kind of ramping up the grossness in this season. Okay. The gore. Yes. So Paul Graff, who I mentioned earlier, he's the senior visual effects supervisor of the show. He knew that the gross factor would be turned up this season, but he wanted to traverse a line between shocking, but not offensively so. So here's a quote. There's a fine line that has to be traveled between looking gross and being cool. We wanted to make something that never looks shocking in the sense of it hurts and you feel like this is a cruel situation. It's always a little bit of an absurdity meter woven into these shots and we felt that we want to be really gross and splatty but we don't want to cause any harm with anybody and i hope we found the right balance splatty splatty yeah but i hate that i know what they i know what he means by not <laughs> wanting to cause harm but yeah. also he just they just melted like half a town i know i don't want to cause harm to anybody i'm gonna melt all these people <laughs> they're theoretical people it's fine true okay i like the word splatty yes i mean like it's like it's like an onomatopoeia word it is so basically what i'm going to do for this episode is i'm going to get into three key visual effects that take key (laughs) key um visual effects that take place in this season because truthfully there was not a ton like i really scoured the internet looking for stuff and i could really only find details about these three things so we are going to talk about them and then um yeah and i'll show marina some pictures that we'll post on the instagram cool yeah so the first visual effect that we are going to talk about is the russian base and the key okay so paul graff described the russian key as a cross between a jet engine turbine and a ray gun that's perfect because i never know how to describe this damn thing that is what it looks like yeah that's it it is very jet engine it is so here is another quote from him so we suggested that they only build a skeleton and let us take it the rest of the way with our vendors meaning the animation studio sure that frame was enough to provide a sense of what the shape would be if it were fully built but you could still see through it we built a christmas tree like metal scaffold spiked with little tracking dots and featuring large silver and gray tracking balls to reflect the lighting every few feet That let us track the camera motion and changing light without slowing down or otherwise impacting the shoot. Then, for the end of the sequence, when the lights really get going, special effects built the cylindrical rotating rig with lights in it and mirrors inside and out. This complicated device had a Viper, which is an automobile motor, 
that could spin at any desired speed, which helped us capture really amazing plates with all this chaotic lighting. So yes, they attached a motor, an automobile motor to this thing here and got got it spinning okay. with the lights got and it. mirrors okay. so that they could get a better idea of what it would look like in post. Okay, two things. First things first, the skeleton of this thing looks like an umbrella, but without <laughs> the actual like fabric on an umbrella. It just looks like the interior posts of an umbrella. You know what I mean? The, the bones. The bones. The, sk- the bo- spooky season is coming, people. Yeah. The bones of the umbrella. <laughs> the umbrella bones. Yeah. <laughs> That's what the actual post looks like. But secondly, attaching a device, aka an automobile motor, to some kind of spindly thing to make it spin is very Tears of the Kingdom. Oh my god, it kind of is. Yeah, it's very Zelda. Simple machines. Simple machines. <laughs> this Always. is so cool. Okay, so they built this structure essentially just to like shoot and then yeah. making it actually appear as we see it all happened in post. Yeah, pretty much. Wow. It's amazing that they were like, we can get it this far and then in post we can get it the rest of the way. I know. And it's such a testament to like them understanding their limits, but also wanting the most practical stuff that they can have. Right. Yeah, yeah, okay. It, yes, it looks like an umbrella. It does. Without the skin. Fun fact <laughs> that I did not know is that some, maybe all, I couldn't really get a clear answer on this, of the scientists that you see in the opening scene of the series are entirely CGI and animation. I could kind of see that now, knowing that in hindsight. Like, mm-hmm. if you go back and watch that scene, I could definitely see how they're not real people. Yeah, You can kind of see that. But yeah, there's some really eerie pictures here of like (laughs) these renderings of these scientists in their creepy gas masks and they're just kind of in a void. So it looks like four people in those uniforms, like those gas mask uniforms standing in Elle's mind void. It does. That's exactly what it looks like. But they're not real people. Nope. Nope. They're animated. Okay. Yeah. So there's some other pictures here of (laughs) just like a guy standing next to a mannequin that is held up by like wires to make it look like it's in the middle of being zapped mm-hmm. by the machine mm-hmm. fascinating yeah so this yeah. is the scene at the very beginning of season three like the very first scene yeah yeah in russia and, yes in russia very cool and then you can see like a split screen here of the post-production visual effects and what it looked like wow Right? There's a picture of what I assume is supposed to be the wall with the gate. Mm-hmm. And it looks like without the effects of the actual gate, like that like very like membrane-y, nebulous looking yeah. stuff, it just looks like a like an icy blue wall. Yeah, like concrete. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, I know. Pretty cool. And then this bottom picture here is of the final like Hopper and Grigori battle. There is nothing there. You can see hoppers on the ground. Okay. Yeah, yeah I see him. See yeah, so he's laying on the ground and Grigori is standing above him. Yeah, and they have a fan there to simulate the wind from the Got machine. It. Yep, and there's actually nothing there at all. Well, the little like Christmas tree structure is there in the back if you look closely. And that's movie magic. When you see Hopper in that predicament, it just looks like the turbine is whooshing behind him, right? Yeah. But there's nothing there. Yeah, isn't that wild? It is. It's pretty amazing what they can make it look like. And I would assume all of this was done 
each time somebody was in that space right so like when the kids run through it when dustin and Mm -hmm. erica and robin and steve run through that room that wasn't a room full of a turt like obviously we knew that but i know but it's weird because they really do it convincingly they do i believe it i thought this was real yeah no (laughs) (laughs) she's in the room with a gigantic laser yeah (laughs) yeah you'll you'll see a big theme throughout this is that as much as they possibly can the duffer brothers wanted to use physical stand-ins for the actors to reference but a lot of this season really was cgi and animation and i just think that that means they did a great job mm-hmm. yeah okay so the next visual effect concept we're going to talk about is the rats that's Yay. not what i would expect i just assumed I know. these were rats but that doesn't make sense Right? I know. I never really gave it much thought. But yeah, the rats. There was a lot online about these rats. Okay, tell me. So much like in previous seasons, the visual effects team wanted something for the actors to have to act alongside them, despite many of their co-stars being made of CGI. (laughs) (laughs) I will never not think of Harry and Dobby in the Chamber of Secrets (laughs) when Dobby arrives but we all know that Harry was not talking to Dobby. He was just talking to an empty room. <laughs> Wasn't there a Dobby puppet? Maybe. Which is very creepy. Nobody needs that. So for the rats, the team tried all sorts of... Well, first they actually tried to have some real rat stand-ins. But, well, obviously not for the exploding parts. But they, you know, just to have an idea of how rats move and things like that. So they tried, like, real rats. And then they tried some rat dolls. They tried remote controlled rats oh that's so fun little (laughs) motorized rats (laughs) some other options but in the end they went with the old tried and true the metal ball i don't know what that means if you remember they used a metal ball in place of dart because they felt that it simulated the movement the best of of how he would like you know be very fluid and move around so they they used this for the rats but they would put the ball on a sandbag and the sandbag would be attached to a string and then it would be pulled around to simulate the rat's movement because if you think about the way a rat moves, it's not super fluid. They're very like skittery. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they would pull the bag to simulate what a rat would move like. And it seemed like this was more done for the actor's benefit to like understand where to look and, and how these creatures would be moving around. But it was also for the animator's benefit as well to get a better idea of how they move and how quickly and you know all that stuff the metal ball was on a sandbag attached to a string yes what was the purpose of the metal ball i think it has like i couldn't find a clear answer on this and we'll see the metal ball come back up later okay but i think it has something to do with like the lighting it's easier to see it on camera okay because it's reflecting light yeah i think that's it got it I want to know whose job it was to pull the sandbag around set (laughs) by the string. Come on, buddy. (laughs) Okay, I understand. All right, get ready. (laughs) So Yvonne Yardell, animation supervisor at (laughs) Rodeo FX, he broke down the process of making the rat explosion in a 2019 video, which you can go find this on YouTube. It's horrifying. Get ready. Is this which rat explosion? The the caged rat yes this is this video was specifically about the caged rat okay so mrs driscoll's rat yes okay 
So first, they created an animated rat in their software, which is called Houdini. And I looked that up to make sure I got that right. That is, in fact, an animation software. Okay, I get it. Then they created the skin bubbling animations. He stopped. And he, he stated that he wanted it to look as cartoonish and absurd as possible. Okay. Which I can appreciate. Same. And it kind of makes, makes me think of what Paul Graff said earlier that, like, he didn't want to upset people. And I like the idea of making the rat's explosion look really cartoony mm. and not quite real because I think that might be a bit more upsetting. Mm-hmm. And this goes to the next point. They animated the actual explosion itself. And he stated that in deciding what the rat remains would look like, they decided to just kind of ignore what its uh, innards might look like. And they just wanted it to become a pile of goo. Just goo. Which, again, I can appreciate. They wanted to just leave the rat bones and disgusting things out of it because that might be a bit too much. Now, rat bones are also small, so... Yeah. Insignificant things. He also stated that since they love practical effects so much, they tried a couple different practical methods to model the explosion after. And if you're Marina or me, today is truly a terrible day to have eyes. <laughs> God. <laughs> because what we have here is, and I'm, I'm, I'm 99% sure it's what, this is what we're looking at. They didn't say what it was in the video, but I'm pretty sure we are looking at some sort of like beef liver or something like that on the end of like a long extension on a power drill and in the video they are they got the drill on and they're just flailing that meat around oh no (laughs) not flailing your meat (laughs) right after hi daddy (laughs) oh wow okay so they have a power drill and on the end of the long screw they have some kind of meat product and they yep. turned the power drill on to fling the meat around. Correct. <laughs> and you can watch this as a video? Yes, you can. It is on YouTube. I put it in our cited sources document, which will be linked in the episode description. Please watch it if you're interested. There's also, um, there was a couple other alternatives that they tried, including, again, they didn't describe it, but it looks like they created something in the shape of like a, like a baseball bat or like a torch out of like tape basically uh-huh. like masking tape and it looks like they put really runny peanut butter yeah that's what it is it looks like runny i was gonna say g- melted gum yeah but it's brown like it's, <laughs> it's so gross yeah so watch that not while you're eating wouldn't recommend i, I kind of want to see yeah. the meat wait let me see if i can was it la- like could you hear it too no no thank goodness no <laughs> <laughs> Why is it coming out of that? It's coming out. <laughs> I didn't realize it came out. It spurts. <laughs> it does. So you know the pe- the peanut butter that we were talking about earlier that was on a some kind of rod made of tape well Amanda yep. f- failed to mention that it it, it spurts out of the rod I kind of for- <laughs> I kind of forgot I, I for some reason imagined it in my brain that they were like smacking it on the ground <laughs> it no nope it's just coming right out I don't um, I, okay thank you yeah our friend Yvonne also described the texture of the melted rat as Jam or sloppy Joe? (laughs) (laughs) 
Yikes. <laughs> wow. So to, to wrap up this section on the rats, my, I'm crying. Fun fact, when Yvonne's animation team came up with the final model of the rat goop crawling away, uh-huh. he sent it to Paul Graff, who showed the children, and they still had no idea what the season's monster was going to look like, and rumor has it they were absolutely horrified and also loved it, and that's what sold the final version of the rat. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, that's the rats. Wow. Now, let's move on to the star of the show and our final visual effect. The skin spider in all of his many forms. I love him. Me too. So, now we have another visual effects supervisor, and this is the supervisor from Rodeo Effects, not from the show. Okay. His name is Mark Pelletier. And he said about the creation of the skin spider, whenever we start shooting, the duffers are still in the middle of writing it, which means when we start doing the work, the look, development, some of the assets, we're still not sure where we're going to land and the evolution we need to deal with and how much iteration there's going to be in between the first stage of this and the final. They started off with a rough idea. We want this thing to come to life as a pile of goo, which is essentially a rat being flipped inside out. And this thing is going to grow by the very end into a giant monster that is 20 feet tall. Easy. I just really appreciate the evolution of this. Right? I know. I never really thought about it until, like, reading about this. Yeah. And it is so similar to season two in a lot of ways. It is. So, yeah. No big deal. We know it's going to end as a 20 foot tall monster. It starts as a rat being flipped inside out. You do the rest, buddy. Figure it out. What's going on in between there? (laughs) So Paul Graff, which again is our visual effects supervisor from the show, said, this is my favorite quote from him, chapter eight was like an impossibility, like literally an impossibility. Okay. (laughs) So I love that. He also said that their intention, and I mentioned this earlier, was always to be inspired by John Carpenter's The Thing. And here's a quote. John Carpenter's The Thing was what they really wanted to explore, and that means we now have the fleshy, goopy, liquid, heavy monsters. I don't a hybrid, like the word heavy. Nope. N- me either. A hybrid between a creature and an effects simulation of traveling goop. Here I am all season long thinking that as we write our scene by scenes, we are for some reason not capturing the essence of this being. We have captured it. Fleshy, goopy, liquid, heavy monster simulation of traveling goop. Like, we have hit all of these points. I know. Which means, again, they did a great job. They did. Message received. (laughs) Yes. Message received indeed. I love how much this man says goop and and goo. And, yeah, again, we we really hit the nail on the head. What was that one one caption? Goo snarling? Yeah. Goo snarling. Goo snarling. (laughs) They got it. Okay. So Paul Graff was also quoted as saying the following about the creation of the hospital monster. And by the way, in everything I read, most of the visual effects staff refer to the hospital monster as Tom Bruce. Like one word. Tom and Bruce. No and. Tom Bruce. Tom Bruce. Yeah. I don't think I can get used to that, but okay. Yeah. He's a character and his name is Tom Bruce. Tom Bruce. We should have done him on our D&D alignment. I know. So here's Paul Graff's quote. Basically, it's body parts. Yep. The secret there is to not be too repetitive. We didn't want it to feel like it's made out of only one substance or 
it's really self-similar, but rather it has a nice mix of components with different viscosity and detail, because this is literally made out of anything, and has some bones swimming around in it and such. It's a little bit like painting with pieces of corpses. I hear my heartbeat in my head right now. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) So gross. Just, again, I just need to pull some things out here. Um, A nice mix of components with different viscosity. Because this thing is literally made out of anything and has some bones swimming around in it, it's like painting with pieces of corpses. We love it. (laughs) Is it saying that it... It didn't want it to just be, like, a conglomeration of the same texture. Yeah, I think so. I think they wanted it to look as fluid and kind of cobbled together as possible. As melted humans would, right? Yeah, as they would. We have bones and skin and organs and all of these things are inevitably, like, different veins. Yeah. So it needed to be this amalgamation. Yeah. It is. It's all different textures. He also mentioned that the hospital monster, or Tom Bruce, was purposely asymmetrical, which, by the way, I never noticed how asymmetrical it actually is until doing this. Yeah. So he wanted it to look like it was kind of cobbled together, um, not in its final form. Okay. They they thought about it as, like, sort of Frankenstein-y. Like, they wanted it to be just sort of like, Sure. "This This is the best we can do, and we're coming after you. I see. Okay. Yes. Cool. The lead effects artist, Nathan Arbuckle, said that when the young cast saw the first tests of the hospital monster, they all thought it was gross and awesome. The grosser, the better. Yeah, I mean, they're needing to just keep escalating and ramping this up, and they did. They did. Yvonne Yardell said that they wanted the movements of the hospital monster to be inspired by several different animals. They literally watched David Attenborough documentaries to find the right ones. So here is a breakdown of the animals that they modeled its movements after. For the creature's enormous right arm, their references were silverback gorillas. Not what would have come to mind, but I believe that. But I see it. Yeah. Yeah. For its spidery legs, they looked at coconut crabs. I don't know why, but I know exactly what a coconut crab looks like. So It's spiny, right? Yeah, I think so. And for the tiny legs at the back of its body, millipedes were most appropriate. Yeah. Mil- what tiny legs on the back of its body? I don't know. Apparently it has tiny legs. Oh. Yeah. I think they're talking about like, if you look at like the weird 3D rendering that's here, you can see it. Oh, has, like, yeah. Yeah. I see them. It's real like, little ones. Okay. So like the legs, the larger legs have tinier legs. That's what it is. Yeah. Okay. It's like branches. Um, and I just included this funny picture of Millie attacking the monster that is not in the room with us right now. <laughs> Millie attacking an empty room. <laughs> yes. So as I mentioned earlier, the Duffer brothers love to use like physical stand-ins for the actors to act against. And the hospital monster had a stand-in too for some parts that the actors, so that they would have something to refer to. However, the stand-in was unsettling to say the least. It was assistant stunt coordinator Ken Barenfield in a form-fitting orange-slash-red suit and a chrome reflective helmet. And he was directed to run at them screaming. The best way I can describe this <laughs> is a Teletubby with, like, combined with an astronaut. <laughs> Just running at you screaming <laughs> down a hospital hallway. Imagine that. Yeah, Ugh. that's the best way I can describe it. Yeah, it's almost more unsettling than the monster itself. I would agree. 
And of course, we know the DBs love using practical effects whenever they can, but Paul Graff had this incredible thing to say about that. It is all aiming to have a resemblance to practical effect, but it is not practical. There was no practical goop ever. There was never goop. No goop. There was not one drop of real goop. Nope, no real goop to be had. So, that being said, in the Battle of Starcourt scenes, they tried originally using a quote-unquote blimp-sized construction of the skin spider's head that they held out on a long pole. (laughs) However, this ended up failing due to the head being about 50 pounds. Instead, they opted for a literal beach ball on a pole. (laughs) I'm sorry. Is this a photo? Yeah. Of William Hargrove? Standing in the food court of Starcourt, staring Mm -hmm. at a beach ball on a pole. Yes. Yes, it is. I love it. I don't like that he's been reduced to a beach ball. I know, right? He's too important for that. He is far too important. I know. So when it was time for the meat monster to reach his adultiest and meatiest form, VFX supervisor at Rodeo FX, Martin Pelletier, And I'm sorry I keep reintroducing these people, but there's a lot of people to remember. A lot of names. I know. He said, We basically scaled him up to 22 feet, and when we looked at him, it was obvious we had to modify some body parts for him to look like the adult version. Now, (laughs) The adult version. (laughs) Now the legs had proper length, but they were too bulky. He looked clumsy. Aw, he is a clumsy boy. He is. is. So we slimmed him down. Oh. And the head was way too big, and we had to scale down 30%. Oh. We didn't want a bubble-headed creature. (laughs) In the end, the only thing that mattered to the brothers was that they didn't want it to be realistic in terms of biology, just nondescript flesh and bones on the outside covered in slime. Cute. Yeah, I mean, I've never seen an animal that looks like this before. (laughs) Thank God. Yeah, so I could say they were pretty successful at it not resembling biology at all. Yeah. I love this idea of him being like an awkward teenager growing up. Like his legs are a little too long for his body and he didn't quite grow into his ears yet. And he's just this awkward little guy growing up. It reminds me of like a great day in puppy. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like yeah. they don't, they don't quite know how to use their big old paws yet. Oh, baby skin spider. So cute. Happy birthday. Yeah. <laughs> So, side note, this has nothing to do with the visual effects, but I just thought it was interesting. I found this in my research. Paul Graff revealed that the Duffers liked the T-Rex chasing the car in the first Jurassic Park, and in the pitch documents for the season, the monster was rumbling through the Hawkins 4th of July parade. Yeah, I found that that. in the, uh, looking up, like, the facts for the Battle of Starcourt, that he was supposed to ransack the 4th of July. Oh, the parade? There was going to be a parade? Maybe they meant, like, the festival. Imagine if they had gone with a parade. God. That would have been tough for for Steve to drive his getaway car. (laughs) Or, no, it wasn't Steve driving, whoever. Anyway. So, just some final notes here. So, Pelletier also mentioned that the final version of the meat monster had to be controlled by different animation rigs. And side note, if you don't know what a rig is in animation, like I did not... It's basically the skeleton of whatever you're animating. So, like, the basic components. Like, how would this thing's general basic 
biology, so to speak, work. Right. And this MF had so many uniquely moving parts that he ended up being made of multiple layers of animation rigs so that the different body parts could be controlled separately and look as natural as possible, you know, to make sure he looks as much like a real skin spider as possible. Art (laughs) imitates life, I've heard. That's right. Yes, as they say. So that's really all I got as far as our visual effects for this season. Of course, this was like a tough one because, again, this is not a visual medium. And a lot of the stuff that I came across would not really be... It wouldn't mean anything to us because uh, we're not animators. Yeah. So, but yeah, I still thought this was really interesting. If you want to see some of this stuff, we're going to post what we can on our Instagram. But I definitely recommend perusing YouTube. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of really interesting stuff out there. And you can see that horrifying meat on a on a drill. Maybe we'll find a way to get that on our Instagram. <laughs> we might get banned. I don't know. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Content. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty nasty. Just look it up on YouTube. Yeah, it's it's really gross. But I'll put it in the, uh, the cited sources. But yeah, that's all I got for our visual effects. Fun, nasty, disgusting. Yay. Let's talk a little bit in detail about our watch party. Yay. So we've been kind of going back and forth about how we wanted to do this. Because to be quite frank, Amanda and I have never done anything like this before. But we think it's going to be super fun. And we want to kind of watch this episode with you all because it feels like a film. It's like a cinematic mm-hmm. adventure. So I think what we're going to do is in our Discord, we're going to have a, a voice channel for the watch party and the voice channel has a text chat feature where we can all talk and chat amanda's going to stream the episode through discord and we're going to try to get it to be as best quality as we can for you all however feel free to also just put on the episode on your own netflix account if you want to watch on your television whatever you want to do and just start it when we start it in the discord and then we're also going to be in the discord and we're going to be chatting and talking and i'm wearing my scoops ahoy costume (laughs) that i had from halloween in 2019 so i'm definitely going to do that so yeah we're going to be in there we're going to talk we're going to dress up and we're going to stream it for you all and it's going to be a great time yeah we've truly never done anything like this but yeah i'm truly excited to see who joins us and i think it'll be a fun time because this episode really does warrant some fanfare i think agreed and i said it's going to be a voice channel but that by no means means that you need to be speaking in the voice channel we expect you all to be typing and chatting in the the actual message feature in the voice channel itself so don't feel like nervous that you have to be on camera don't feel nervous that you have to be talking out loud there is a text space in the voice channel itself we just need to use a voice channel to be able to stream the content yes and that also by no means means you even have to chat if you just want to drop in and observe and and watch the the stream then you're more than welcome to do that too yeah so that's what's going on and i'll post this probably in a lot more detail on our discord on Friday so that you can all read it and see it a little bit more clearly. Awesome. Yay. So excited. All right. Well, that wraps up our VFX episode and we really hope to see you on Friday. Yeah. And if you see any wild skin spiders, post a pic. So Let that, us know. Yeah. We want to see them in the wild. If you've seen, I've seen mind flayers all the time, like in my office and stuff. So I know they're really everywhere. Be careful. If you have those <laughs> spotted lantern mind flayers, oh, stomp them. I didn't realize those were also mind flayers. Oh, yeah. See how many legs they have? Yucky. Cool. <laughs> 
All right, everybody. <laughs> see you Friday. Stay strange. Stay goopy. Ew. <laughs> To keep in touch and stay informed, join us on our StarCourt Study Hall Discord server and follow us on Instagram at StarCourt Study Hall.